I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Welcome to Thinking 40 with the game's greatest thinker, Rick Stewart. Is that, you, is that the approach you took, Pat? Or you, you were fired up? You were more fired up? No, I wasn't fired up. I can't get fired up over a bunch of blokes who are doing everything they possibly can to play their best and to win a game of football. Things aren't going for us at the moment. Um... Thinking 40 with the game's greatest thinker, Rick Stewart. Well, Ricky Stewart may not be fired up, but you're listening to Fire Up. I'm Dennis Carnahan here at the Batuta Studios with Chris Gale. Hello, Dennis. Redfern Pat at the controls, and we are fired up. Fired up because all our teams lost. Fired up because there's dirty work afoot. Fired up because there's pestilence abroad. Fired up because there are power struggles aplenty in rugby league. It's a week where Overlord Volandis hasn't made any sweeping rule changes, leaving a perceived power vacuum into which has stepped Graham Felix Annesley with dual crackdowns, which didn't really work. Trying to take the power back from the clubs, the players, the coaches who bend the rules for tactical advantage. And the refs in the bunker apparently didn't respond with the power play. So some have been stood down. It's a week where friend of the show, Paul Kent, has illustrated the power play going on between the players, managers, coaches. A power play that harks back to the Super League Wars. Machiavellian player managers are trying to undermine rosters with leaks to the press and players making big money Faustian packs. And in the ultimate power play here at Fire Up, I've unilaterally taken over the preamble because Chris Gale was late getting here from physio. It's all about power. So let's get straight to it. The Canberra Raiders, Chris, you aren't as emotionally invested here, so you can speak more rationally. What's doing? (laughs) Well, first of all, Dennis, can I say I am fired up because this uh, naked grab for power that you've... (laughs) Executed today, first of all, totally justified. And uh, as the one who feels usurped, I feel usurped but fired up. And this is obviously the problem that's going on down Canberra Way. It's around where does one set the emotional level? It's quite distressing to hear Sticky go, I'm not fired up. In the wake, of course, of inappropriate audio that was leaked, suggesting that he was crazily fired up in the dressing room, yelling bile and invective and more Michael Lux than you could possibly imagine. Turns out it was fake. Well, it's, it's the audio where he's allegedly yelling out Michael Lux and bile and vitriol. And he's, he's also slagging people for not tagging properly right. and he's slagging people for not getting inside 50 enough. I believe those aren't terms we use in rugby league. When you're in the opposition half, aren't you in the opposition 50? Yeah, they talk about the red zone is the 20 metres. They don't talk about inside. I believe these, for our listeners who don't know the filth, these are AFL terms. Well, Dennis, unlike you, I wasn't there at Wagga when Canberra capitulated yet again in the second half to the Newcastle Knights. Now, again, things look good. The old papa was back, grubber kick and all. And, you know, Ricky was, uh, I thought, a presence that was going to change things. Tarpany scored in the first half and Kirsten Tarpany posted a very positive thing about Sticky on Instagram. It all looked good. Oh, he didn't quite, she wasn't quite positive. It was, wasn't it told you so? <laughs> That's right. When he told scored, you so. told you so. What she didn't then go and post, we've got a uh, international second rower tackling like a turnstile. She didn't post that. No, but at 16 blood at halftime, you're chumping on your macarons, you're feeling great about the world. And then I did ca- take some macarons and I gave some to the Raiders press boys and they did say that was the play of the day. Sadly, it was. And then Kalen Ponga taking a leaf out of the old papa's book, even though I think the old papa did his grubber after oh, Kalen's, yep. did a grubber restart. Newcastle regained the ball, Lachlan Fitzgibbon, and it all unraveled from there. What's going on in the second half? Because as everybody's been prone to point out this week your combined last five second halves i think the score is eight to 93 it's something like that yes yeah, sports psychologist uh what's his name jauncey uh, phil, phil jauncey he says there's a pattern what happens is you think you're out of control and we can't do it as soon as something bad happens early in the second half players get that here we go again syndrome as he calls it so yeah that's what's happening could you, you feel could, it could you oh. feel it out there in the country air as soon as Newcastle regather from the second half restart watching the way the first half unfolded I thought they're on this is a different team they're on they're, they were they, a different and the team way they were playing but there, there is one little tiny point no they've been they've been in front plenty yes, in I know, first half I know, I know. there's one little tiny point where the the Knights did knock on like they lost the ball four times early in the tackle count 
in the Raiders' 20, in, in the attacking 20. So they did take themselves away opportunities. But when that happened in the first half, you could actually see you could the air was out of the balloon when that short kickoff happened, when Tommy Starling was slightly out of position. Amazing quick thinking by Kalen Ponga, who then went on to make things worse because a girl has turned up um, and all she wanted to do was see her boys and see the night. She was like a nine-year-old girl and she's turned up and she was standing there in tears at being so close to them as they left on the bus. And what's his name? Connor? Tracy? No, uh, Watson. 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 Connor, Randy's son. He's got the moustache. <laughs> Connor Watson! Saw the girl crying and said, what's doing? Said, oh, she's so excited. She you know, really wants to meet Kaylin. Goes on the bus, gets Kaylin Ponger out. Kaylin Ponger comes over, gets a photo of this little girl. And she is bawling with Kaylin Ponger waving at the camera over her shoulder. Like, she's going to look back in that in years to come and be so hideously embarrassed. I wouldn't think so. By the way, he's not Cliff Watson's son by any chance, is he, Connor Watson? No, it's Randy. Do you remember Cliff Watson? The English import played in the 1973 grand final for the Cronulla Sharks along with Tommy Bishop in the famous dockyard brawl. <laughs> I don't. I can I talk at length about that I game. I want to go and watch that game back because that was my first, the first game of rugby league I actually remember watching. I know I watched previous to that because I drew pictures of Eric Sims uh, in preschool. And the caption that the teacher was made to say was, this is Eric Sims. He has scored some tries and kicked some goals. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, he is the reason why they quite correctly reduced the field goal to one point, which should still be the which case. 50 years no matter later, where you kick it from. It. No! But Ponger, of course, had a shocker in the first half. Had an incredible second half. And there you have it. The Canberra Raiders are down again. Ricky's in the rooms. We've heard some of the audio there. He seems... Bereft, or has he has he well, lost just, the room? So just just prior to that little quote where he he refers to Michael Luck, um, the journalist who asked that question said, "Were you? You know, he seemed pretty subdued in the rooms." And Ricky said, "Did I? Good. <laughs> so I'm loving him more and more in his press conferences, and and he said he couldn't get fired up because they're, they're having a go, you know. And and he he pointed out Lady Luck." Is not with them now. It could well be that Lady Luck is is between their ears, and as the as Phil Jauncey has pointed out, that as soon as that one bad thing happened, they were just off the rails. By the way, I hear Phil Jauncey's name a lot, and one imagines when when you put him down on the guest list. Well, possibly, sure. <laughs> and I mean, when you select a career as a sports psychologist, you probably don't figure you're going to be in the media, and you jump forward twenty years, and now you're constantly quoted. It's like I've been noticing during the pandemic. Can you imagine? If you, you know, oh, gee, what do I want to be when I grow up? I want to be in the public eye. I want to be an actor or a singer or something like that or a successful sports person. And you pick epidemiology, right? You'd say you're no chance. <laughs> you're no chance of ever doing an interview on television. Now, you, you, you you're queuing up. Them. It's incredible. Now, there's been concerns raised by a friend of the show, Paul Kent, about these rumours that Ricky has lost the rooms. What can you tell us about that? Well, friend of the show, Paul Kent's suggestion is this all comes back to the power play, the murk, the filth of Isaac Moses, the backroom dealings, and he, of course, famously he was uh, he was John Bateman's agent. Uh You may recall, you may recall the week before, the very week before the 2019 Grand Final, it's leaked somehow leaked that uh, he was looking at going back to England and not not taking the option. So there's actually nothing untoward because he was not taking the option. He had 2019-20, 2019-20, he was signed. He had a, an option in his favour for 21. And it was leaked that he's choosing not to take that. And this is a week before the grand final. Very unsettling for, for the team to have a star player have this leaked at that particular moment, which is all about leveraging Ricky Stewart. It's all about leveraging the bargaining power. It's all about they wanted more money for him to stay. And the Raiders said, we have been dicked around by player managers before. You play that game, you go. It was a power play. And what ended up happening was that John Bateman left for considerably less money that the Raiders were offering. And am I right in saying back to Wigan? Back to Wigan. Where I think we're welcoming Jackson Hastings. And is it now Oliver Gildart? I think we've just signed the West Tigers. You know, it's a, yes. Yeah. That, well, because there there's another thing that happened with the English Super League. They're allowed to have, so they've got the salary cap, but they're allowed to have two marquee players who are outside the salary cap. So John Bateman's one of those. Letting Jackson Hastings go, that frees up another marquee player, Georgie Boy. Georgie Boy Williams, right. So, that, so it's, it's all that power play. That's what Georgie's after because that means they can pay him anything. And that's, you know, that's how that goes. That's the, the Machiavellian stuff that's going on with Isaac Moses. And, and he doesn't – Isaac's very unhappy with Ricky because Ricky also previously said um, – 
with with regards to the John Bateman thing, I don't want to have what happened at the Broncos and what happened at the Warriors. Why did the Warriors sack their coach? Because he was a Moses boy. Yep. They're like, and, and he was just undermining. Moses was undermining the getting overs for his players and getting other players out. Same with the Broncos. Moses, the stinking fingers of Moses. I can't believe that Paul Kent, friend of the show, wrote the article without mentioning what Isaac Moses did to the West Tigers, where he managed what to... What did he do to the West Tigers? So, Brooks, Moses, as in Mitchell Moses, Tedesco, and uh, who am I missing here? Uh, <laughs> uh, Pappenhausen, the Fox. Aaron Woods. Is it Woods? All came off contract at exactly the same time. In the wake of the unfortunate treatment by Sam Ayub client, Benny, uh, uh, Robbie Farah, all of a sudden, you know, we're on the bus, we're off the bus, and all that talent's just exited. So I'm su- surprised that we didn't get a run as well. First of all, I would love to be the first of all these this rugby league panoply of podcasts and shows <laughs> to get one of these agents on. Like, that, that's the nirvana. Forget Overlord Volandis. I mean, they, he went on Hello Sport. Who cares about that? Get the truth. Oh, wouldn't you love to have Isaac Moses on this show? Well, imagine the breaking news you'd get, the truth, the veil. It'd be like the end of, um, what's that show with the red shoes and Dorothy? Uh, That's Wizard Wizard of Oz. Oz. You'd open the curtain and this. It's a very successful movie. actually happens in rugby league. Did you see the Sam Raimi Raimi extension? You know, it was okay. I should do it. I should say it. It was okay. But part of this context that Kent was explored is going, has he lost the rooms? And he says, no, of course he hasn't. In fact, he's right behind his boys as evidenced by the audio that we ran earlier. But there's also talk that there's a leak in the Canberra organisation. Now, the general consensus is that all rugby league organisations leak. It's like politics, yep. it's like Canberra. But Canberra seems to be particularly good at this. And at leaking or not leaking? No, at leaking. At leaking? Yeah. And, and Ricky seemed subdued and quiet and non-engaged in his press conference. Do you have a theory about this? I do have a theory about this. Right. Right. The entire Canberra organisation, uh-huh. both at... You've got a centre of excellence now, haven't you? Uh, well, this, 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 like their home ground. Like they, I don't think they use it. The, oh no, they have. Yeah, Reed Oval. Right. So Sorry, Northmont Oval. Northmont Oval is the centre of excellence. First of all, there's more work needs to be done here because I don't think we're sufficiently clear on who has the centre of excellence and who doesn't. Titans, right. Raiders, right. And can I just say the centre of excellence in Canberra at Northbourne Oval used to be the home of the Northbourne Greenies. Right, which was the team that I wanted to play for when I was a kid. I played for the Northbourne Lions, which was the juniors. And I sucked, and it was across the road from my school, Ainsley Primary, Ainsley Public School, was across the road from Northbourne Oval. Doesn't really sound like a hub of excellence. Oh, it does. Because there's Northbourne Oval, Oval on the left as you're driving out of Canberra. No, 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 that's Southwell Park. All right, I always get, so a, I always in, get a slightly elated feeling as I'm leaving. And isn't it nice that that Southwell Park is on the north of Canberra? And Confusing. Northbourne Oval is right in the middle of Canberra. But it became Questacon. My school became Questacon. Ah, I've been to Questacon. Yeah, but this you've been to the new Questacon, which is in the Parliamentary Triangle. I was in a budget locker. the original. <laughs> budget locker. And it's budget night tonight. How about that? Whew. But I'd like a map where we could plot where all these centres of excellence are because I know Manly under construction, West yep. Tigers under construction. And I went and toured the facility and I was talking to Justin Pascoe about this and he goes, I said, well, Justin, of course, the North Queensland Cowboys has just opened their centre of excellence. He goes, ours is better. Ours is excellent. And, and I said, why is that? And he goes, because we're building ours afterwards, right, later. Standing and, on their shoulders. And then I said, I've seen the vision in the Cowboys in the training pool. They have the word Cowboys on the bottom of the pool. And that gave him pause to thought because I don't think the Tigers have got Tigers on the bottom mm. of their pool. And this arms race suggests that you need a centre of excellence, but you need to build your centre of excellence after all the other ones in order to be more excellent than the existing so ones. So you want to come last. Yeah, it's really strange. It is. Anyway, everything's bugged, Dennis. Like, bugged? Yeah, camera, their, their buses, everything's bugged. Big brother. Yeah, well, do you think... I've got a theory. You, you, you suggested you thought it was Isaac Moses might be... You know, leaking. Yeah, so and using Bateman as a mouthpiece. Huawei, Dennis. Huawei was on Canberra's jersey for a number of years. I am telling you, and there's now a whole thing about the universities and their Confucius Institutes might have to <laughs> shut up shop. I think these all things are directly collected. The Chinese government is a direct influence, if I can say that, the Chinese Communist Party on the operations in Canberra, and this is what they're trying to st- stop. And Isaac Moses, I'm not suggesting he's giving a kickback to the Chinese government, but I'm not ruling it out. Wow. 
Because Huawei, of course, we've gone through this before. Arsenal Football Club in London, Electrico Madrid, Madrid, AFC, Ajax, Amsterdam, AC Milan, Milan, Paris, Saint-Germain, France, Galatasaray, Istanbul, Turkey, Washington Football Team, Club it's, American. It's, Mexico, a, it's they, a global they, network. They, through all the AFC, Ajax in Cape Town, Wellington, Phoenix. And you'll get nothing, and everyone's going to be upset about this, and it's not the fines that Ricky's previously incurred. You'll get nothing out of Ricky anymore because he's concerned that it's being tracked. And the man... Look, his technology familiarity goes to overhead projectors and texters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the limit. I've just, I've just watched The Man in the High Castle. Have you, have you seen that? No, the no. Philip K. Dick no. classic? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's very interesting because there's a lot of bugging in that as well. Do androids dream of electric sheep? Well, it wasn't based on that, obviously. Something else was based on that one. <laughs> so so he's just going to be very taciturn, very reserved for the, for the fact that the ears are everywhere and we're going to get no excitement at any Ricky press conference anymore. But he did say Michael Luckme and he's up in front of the NRL. Which is interesting because last week he was, you know, he said people are going to call me a whinger and I don't give a Darren Brett. So yep. last week he's gone a Darren Brett. This week he's upped it to Michael Luck. Next week if they lose to the Bulldogs, he's Carmichael Hunt coming out oh, to play. I would imagine there's a fair chance of that, <laughs> no matter how reserved. He has his limits. And of course, that brings to mind another press conference that occurred on the weekend where the NRL's taken an unseemly interest. So has the NRL actually, they've actually referred this one? Because there was many Raiders fans who said when they saw Robbo saying, calling the um, the bunker incompetent, mm-hmm. when he said they were incompetent, did, did he say inept? He said incompetent. Incompetent. Because you're not allowed to call referees incompetent. And he did. And everyone was saying, had that been Ricky Stewart, there's another 10 grand, probably 20, because he still owes him 10 from last time. Um but, of course, the NRL then sacking the uh, bunker officials kind of backs up his cause. Now, I know that in uh, defamation cases, truth is no defence. Uh, it is a defence. No, it's not. Truth is a defence. Not in defamation cases. Defamation is all about trying to bring the person down. So, truth doesn't matter. If your purpose in the defamation was to belittle them... Well, I don't know. I don't want to get technical here. But I, they, I, they, just, they just changed the rule, like, n- now. So, it's if it's in public interest... If you believe if something is reasonably accurate and it's in public interest, you can. So they're changing in, it, and then that, the is this the NRL? Brought, yeah, welcome. Oh, to the, the NRL. I thought there was this wider defamation. <laughs> we're talking. We're talking. Oh. Yeah. Well, no, welcome to no litigation defense. now. <laughs> You're up to the date Australian law podcast. Now I don't know. I mean. It's a sidebar, but uh, I'm pretty sure that the ABC and Louise Milligan, in terms of the Christian Porter issue, they'll be whacking out truth as the as, yeah, 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 yeah. as the defence. Yeah. And non-identity. But anyway, you well, can identify Robbo. He yes. was clearly saying it. <laughs> right. And so, of course, Robbo says incompetent. And is and I mean, the Roosters will have a legal team. They'll bring in QC Mitch Orbison yet again <laughs> in the Roosters suit with the beautiful tricolour tie, which uh, I think had a huge impact in getting Victor Radley off, whereas in that sort of rather dull greenish suit, Latrell Mitchell yeah. got four weeks. Yeah. They'll be arguing that uh, criticising the video ref who, let's face it, is faceless. I mean, I couldn't identify Steve Chiddy in the lineup. Chids? Yeah, couldn't identify him. No, I've got him. Right. But, but you know, I'm a referee yeah. lover. So, and, you know. and you're also, you're on the other side of the fourth wall. You're actually in oh, there. Oh, no, we still don't see him. I just know him because I stalk him. Right, like, right. I stalk them all because I love like, them all. Can you, if, if, you, if you call Chech incompetent, oh. boom, 20 grand. Done like that. Straight up because he's clearly not. Does the same rule apply to the faceless video ref who may in fact be just a piece of artificial intelligence, Avengers style? Oh, it's it's interesting. Like Jarvis, did he turn up? Like well, he evolved into the didn't. vision because it was um it was a a fascinating the way the timing all played out that you can't put someone on report when the game's not on. So mm. during half time, you can't put someone on report. You have to put them on when the game's on. And this is this has happened previously where. Uh, <laughs> play, oh, what game was it? Two? Pl- no, sorry, this was a rugby game. This is a rugby game where. It was when I used to watch the Brumbies. Uh, you completely lost me. I know, but they, two players from the New Zealand team, the New Zealand team came out after half time and referee blows the whistle, then blows it again and says, don't kick off, then blows it again and says, you two come here, then sends them both off for 10. Right. He couldn't send them off until he'd blown time on for the half so he could stop time. Right. And that's pretty much what happened, that the video's been watched. Chids has gone, knees in the back, <laughs> all good, you know. That's not his go. It was an accident. He's a good kid. And 
Felix is sitting at home watching on Channel 9 and listening to Freddie go, oh, knees in the back, there's an eight-point try. It's an eight-point try. Here's an eight-point try. Here comes an eight-point try. No, I didn't actually hear that. I just saw it because it was super text on the hotel. Yeah. And um, I think Felix has looked at it and gone, got on the blow a horse. He's not penalising him for the knees in the back. Nothing's happened. Now, I know he can't get out of the way, but he's, it's his duty of care to not knee the guy in the back and break his ribs and puncture his lungs and put him in hospital. Maybe we should do something. Horse, I reckon, is then calling, oh, chids, how are you going? Uh, look, maybe you want to put him on report for that one. Then they've come out on the field, and then they're told he's on report. So they couldn't use their replacement. If you put someone on report or in the sin bin, you can you, you get an extra replacement. They couldn't use that one. That's right, the free interchange. So if we unpack it, basically uh, the Roosters are in the shadows of halftime, flying down the left-hand touchline, Tedesco passes the ball, and it turns out that he is shoulder charged by in the head M- by Matara Nakore. Yep, right. And then the play proceeds. Drew Hutchinson attempts to score, doesn't actually score. The ball's possibly bounced forward off uh, uh, Jay Moore's head, I think. Yep, uh, which may well have been play on. Who knows? But he hasn't grounded the ball, and Dylan Brown has come in leading with the knees. So there are three issues here to be looked at on the video: the Nakore shoulder charge. Yep. The um the knees well the, the scoring of the try and the mm-hmm. knees uh, in the direct aftermath. How many of the fingers try. do you have on your hand, Chris? Three. You have three fingers. Yep. One, two, three. Right. Excellent. Now, when they were running on after half time, uh, and uh, Chech diverts and goes up to James Tedesco, the Roosters captain, and says, "We've put Dylan Brown on report," and James goes, "Why did it take so long?" He goes, "Well, there was a bit to look at." Hang on, so how many fingers you got again? Three. So, so there's the shoulder yeah. charge. Shoulder charge, try, knee, knees, knees in, the, in back. the back. So that's, that's it. That's a lot to look at. And they've got 20 minutes and half time. Okay, so Robbo's saying incompetent. Where the truth is a defence or not in defamation, it's certainly it's, it's going to play in if he is, and I think he has been referred to the NRL. And it'll be interesting to see whether NRL regards swearing, albeit directed at yourself, um, as opposed to calling the NRL incompetent, which is the, which is the greater charge. But... I think what it exposes is, again, the budgetary restrictions of the NRL. They put a lot of money into that bunker, and everyone quotes the figure of $2 million. Well, I'd say they didn't spend enough. Because right now, guys like Chitty, who has been cancelled, yep. right, he's, he's being you know, trained in terms of watching moving objects. He's like watching Pong, that sort of video game, 10-yard fight. That's how they train. Yeah, where the kids are watching Call of Duty... And you know the first Fortnite shooters, and they're all yeah, yeah, yeah. real-time strategy games where there's all sorts of things going on. My understanding is the NRL only has access to the PlayStation One rugby league game with the bossy commentary, which right. is which is last decade at least, not quite last century. Yeah. No. and so the ability of the bunker official to identify moving pieces of more than one or two is clearly been exposed, and it's a huge issue. Right, so he can only look at one thing at once he can't see three issues that's the problem because pong is only 16 bit yeah so i think they really do need to go to artificial intelligence by the way robo speaking about the poor drew hutchison who went off on a drip and broken ribs punctured lung dot 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 and the ability to upgrade his $120,000 year contract severely compromised <laughs> robo says he's the type of guy you want to have around the club he's a beer and dart guy as in the guy who enjoys a beer and a cigarette after the game and there's not enough of those anymore well, is maybe there? that'll drain some of the tar and nicotine out of his lungs having the little hole there just a couple of other comments I want to make about that game. Dane Ganane, when the Roosters were conceding several set restarts in a row, said, Parramatta, it's like applying Chinese water torture. Can you still say <laughs> that? And particularly with the sensitivities around the Ricky Stewart Huawei matter. Yeah. You've got to be very, very careful about that. Is Dan in trouble for that? Is he in front of the judiciary? I, well, you Is know, he in front of cancel culture? I think you might find that uh, Stewart, uh, Robertson and uh, Ganane will all be appearing it, it, it's not. It's not more park now. It's not Phillips Street yeah, anymore. At the same park. time, and uh, how did you feel about the Eels DJ on the night using horses as a rally? Just so this is on the foot. Yeah, look, I, I really wasn't that impressed because there was a, there was threats of rain, and that obviously affects my you know outside microphones. If it's going to rain, so I have to put on plastic bags and you know condoms, or I have to put a big hawky over it. It's got this great big giant silver fluffy wig that goes over the top of the effects mics. It looks a lot like Bob Hawke in his heyday, and so do I deploy hawky or not? And as I'm down there looking at it, assessing the weather, the DJ is playing, Have You Ever Seen the Rain? It's beautiful. Oh, and you know what he followed it up with? Have a guess. I want you to guess. I Can't Stand the Rain by Eruption? 
Papa, that's what he got. Thank you very yeah. much. So Thank the you very guy, much. The guy's clearly a genius. And that is just literally off the top of my head, and as in I'm touching the top yeah. of my head using the word literally. And yeah, horses is a rally tune for the eels who had to sort of stiffen their defenses. The roosters made a mini rally. I just don't know that it really gets the blood pumping. I mean, you, you, that's the way it's gonna be. I mean, little time. you know, you want you want you want a crowd yelling out, chanting defense, not sort of locking arms and swaying back and forth. <laughs> well, so you mentioned there that the um, the Roosters were conceding repeat sets yes. over and over again. Now, prior to the week, I mentioned in the preamble that Felix has come out and he's gone, the, the two things are going to crack down on, attacks to the head, and there was extra, a lot of extra penalties, and I think eight of the 14 people before the judiciary are for attacks to the head. Right. They've understood what the head injury thing is, that it's a big deal, so they're going to crack down. And there was a lot of people very shocked on Thursday night when some of those people, went with some of the penalties, going, oh, that's soft. But actually, no, Felix is right. They've got the right direction there. The other one he's cracking down on was this giving away penalties in the early set, early in the set. Not penalties, giving away set restarts. I saw no evidence of it, Dennis. None whatsoever. If you're, well, what they're saying is if there's repeat offences, yes. they're going to bin people. Not that I saw. No, not that I, I didn't see it either. And so I was so moved that I went, I, I delved into the David Essex file and I've pulled out a little song for you all about it. said on commentary that it was like they were sleepwalking out there. Sorry? Braith said on commentary that it, sounded, it looked like they were sleepwalking, the team. Sleepwalking? Mm. I guess you, you can't fault what he says when uh, you have a try scored like that. What a world we're living in where a journalist, an esteemed and respected journalist, an honest, hard-working, hard-toiling journalist who wants to deal in the truth and get to the nub of the matter, is quoting... Braith and Astor's commentary. And not just that, the coach is then taking it seriously. What kind of world is that, Chris? Well, you are on the other side of that wall that I made reference to, Dennis. And and I'm not. I'm, I'm not I've never experienced it. I've always been in the dirty zone, no matter what you do. And one of the criticisms I've been having recently of rugby league print media, if we can still call it that, because we're all watching it on screens. And I just listened to a podcast that said, screens aren't turning our kids' heads to mush. So I feel a lot better about that. It's all pretty good. Oh, thank goodness for IQ that. IQ averages are going up, was this, was this written by Apple? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it was part of the Gates divorce settlement. Yeah, or and, Huawei. And I've been quite critical that it's been really apparent to me that a number of so-called print journalists have simply watched the game on television, which is possibly understandable during COVID, but it's a habit that seems to continue, mm. right? So the way in which they describe the game and occasionally quote people, oh, they've just watched the TV coverage. Now, if I'm right in suggesting that that journalist was physically at the game, which was out at Campbelltown Stadium, yet is still quoting with the television coverage, has it got so bad that the journos are going all the way out to Campbelltown Stadium to watch Fox Sports in order to understand the game? Well, I suspect they have they have a screen in their in the journalist's room. They must have just turned the volume up so they could hear Braith to find out what actually was happening. <laughs> Well, maybe they've got some sort of voice modulator because 
Let's face it, if you go on the internet, there's no doubt that the most po- popular sports rugby league analyst by some measure is Braithen Esther. And so it detects when the voice modulation changes and just automatically, like they don't want to hear what the play-by-play is saying or the sideline eye, or if it's Cooper Cronk, they've got no interest because it's too wordy. But if it's Braith, they go, well, that's my copy. Yeah. Right. So he sort of said to Madge that they were sleepwalking out there and he's particularly making reference to the second Gold Coast Titans try from a kickoff restart they went the length of the field AJ Brimson tore us apart uh, and gave it to a streaking Tyrone Peachy as part of a 18 to 0 blitz in the first full streaking minutes. so nutted up. he's not at all he was completely finally, nude no wonder they didn't want to tackle him <laughs> and and it, it got me thinking because the Tigers I mean I know I, I think one of the things we've always prided ourselves on this show is not dwelling on our own teams too much but seriously <laughs> Every, every time I do this podcast, we talk about the Canberra Raiders, which is sort of unprecedented for us. And you go home and you turn on the rugby league shows. Well, it's probably the only, the only podcast in Sydney that actually does talk about the Canberra but, Raiders. But you turn on every rugby league show right now, and all they want to talk about is the Canberra Raiders. Because they like and, to kick them when they're know, down. And is it part of a global conspiracy? And where is the Illuminati and all this? Even so, when they were in the grand final in 2019, Gus was slagging them off and putting them, trying to avoid talking about them. Now that they're down, he's kicking them. That's 100%. It. But my team is pretty much in the news as well. In other words, if you're terrible, you're a good, <laughs> you're a good chance, right? And we're pretty terrible at the moment. I reckon Madge should go all in here. Like sleepwalking is not going to get it done. Clearly. But what if you turned West Tigers into the Walking Dead? So you take it one step further. Yep. So you don't just go put them to sleep. You actually kill them. Turn them into zombies. Turn them into zombies. Right. Have them come back from right. the dead. So... First of all, the immediate concern that people have that if you actually turned out with a rugby league team made up entirely of zombies, so you've got your, you've got your robots slash cyborgs, Melbourne Storms. Mm-hmm. You've got individuals like Cooper Cronk, clearly a replicant. That's why he didn't fit in at the Storms because yep. he was somewhat um, geared differently. But let's face it, Walking Dead, huge hit recently on our TV screens, underrepresented in the NRL. Not enough zombies out there doing their bit, right? If you turn an entire team into zombies, the first concern is speed. Yeah. So, Ooh, yeah, they're a bit slow. The sacred text, and I've, I've watched it multiple times, as I'm sure you have, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Yes. You know, it's, a, it's essentially a treatise on racism, but of course it's also the, you know, the spawning of the zombie genre. And he went on to do Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, comments on consumerism or But whatever. he didn't do Shaun of the Dead, did he? That was a different... Di- different different yep. team. But the concern was that the zombies were slow. And if you go to Max Brooks's The Zombies Survival Guide, which is canon and the zombie Bible, he says zombies appear to be incapable of running. The fastest has been observed to move at a rate of barely one step per 1.5 seconds, which, of course, immediately brings Kyle Flanagan to, to mind. Yeah. And Kyle, of course, has been dropped this week from the Canterbury Bulldogs. He was interviewed today about how he felt about being benched, and he broke down emotionally because he was asked, had his father been in contact with him? And you can imagine the enormity of the fact that he just realised that Flano is my father and no wonder he broke down. <laughs> so speed's an issue, but fortunately we've seen a development. Zack Snyder's new Dawn of the Dead, these zombies are full on. Like they can they can actually, you know, run decently, mm. you know, and compete speed wise. I think World War Z proved this as well. Twenty eight days later, and of course Resident Evil, the PlayStation masterpiece. So if we can address the issue of speed, the advantage of having zombies in your team, no HIAs. Yeah. Right. They just like shot to the head has no effect on them. No ACLs. Well, that's also going to reduce the whole um, encephalitis thing. That's right. That's right. So CTE. That's, yeah. CTE yeah. is gone. Yeah. No ACLs. You're not going to do an ACL. You know now some of the. They gra- don't. Ca- well, you might, but it's you don't care. Well, they can still run. But you also know, like some of the graphs now that they actually take a, a dead person's tendon and put it in the living knee. Really. Right. Well, you've already got. It's all dead. It's just, yep. <laughs> right. And. And, and, and I, would, I would argue, and I mean, I constantly admire the courage of the modern-day rugby league player. Uh, they do sometimes, at the moment, with the speed of the rules, thank you, Overlord Volantis, are getting their heads in the wrong position. But they're still prepared to go in without fear of injury or um, self-preservation in making these tackles. If you're tackling a zombie and they could, you know, get the choppers into you... You're going to have a little second thought. Right. And, and my last comment on this, because I could go on for a long time because I've actually got a bit of a blueprint into the Tigers about this. But look, I was there at Leichhardt Oval with the first abortive tribute to Tommy Radonikas as we went down 28 to 6 yeah, that in the was, first yeah. half of the North Queensland Cowboys. 
Similar disaster out there at Campbelltown Sports Stadium last Saturday night where they did a tribute where they're actually wearing the Tommy jerseys and his uh, friendly puppy, the the happy puppy yeah. uh, charity, which he thinks is a very important charity and it meant a lot to him. So they've sort of gone out uh, all out to provide a tribute to the Radonikas family and it's failed again. If we converted to zombies, it's well known. Tommy Radonikas, the phantom biter, right? That's yeah, how zombies it, get you. That, that's it. They bite you. And every game would be a living tribute by the dead to the great Tommy Radonikas. There will be an issue that you could potentially turn the other teams into zombies by those bites. So you'd have to somehow restrict them. And I'm, I'm just thinking back. There was, was it 2015, the Cowboys won? Yes. Ethan Lowe. Yes. He, I'm pretty convinced he was He's a zombie so, at I that agree. stage. He's the and closest I think, I've seen. I think you should sign him up. Yeah. He could be your first signing. He could actually infect all the others. He could bring them all in. Well, you know he was medically retired by South. Well, was he? Or was he medically sequestered in an Area 51 situation? <laughs> and, <laughs> and if he's you, been put away. And if you time your run, you're correct. Over time, the other teams might zombify. But if you plan this properly and you center of excellence style, you're actually on the front foot. You probably have enough experience as a zombie team to at least win one more premiership. And if you're a West Tigers fan, one's enough. Yeah, look, if you're a Raiders fan, one's enough. <laughs> one's it's enough. been a while. Now, in Melbourne, Chris. Yes. In Spe- Melbourne. Which is a, speaking of zombies sp- and cyborgs. And a successful rugby league and team. And a successful rugby league team. Uh, the Fox and the Cheese. Yes. is a fascinating topic that, uh, you know, on the back of a six-try haul, which was the first time since 1950. Jack Troy, Newtown. Newtown Jets. Wow. Well, it would have been Newtown Blue Bags then, wouldn't it? And looking through, it would have been the Blue Bags, and looking through the record books, there was a lot in the early 20s um, when Sydney University was <laughs> entered the competition and was still there. There was a lot of people scoring. In fact, apart from the 50s that, that won, uh, all the others, plus the sevens and eights, were in um So Frank Burge, I think, is the eight Frank tries. Frank Burge from, from Glebe. Yeah, Glebe against Sydney University. Sydney University. This what, is where Sydney University... What a picture that'd be. <laughs> Sydney University didn't win a game. Basket Weavers versus the students. And I believe all the top scoring records for all the clubs that were around were all scored against Sydney University. When you drive through Glebe and through the Sydney University precinct, it doesn't really feel like rugby league, does it? Well, not anymore. It would have. Like, if you've read the... Um, the, the, the book about the history of Glebe, an act of bastardry, it's called, about how the Tigers and Souths kicked Glebe out. Back in those days, it would have been, it was very, very rugby league. And if I'm not very much mistaken, aren't you the author of the current Glebe Dirty Red song? Yes, I am. How about that? How about that? So I did read that book and I did do a bit of study. But the fox and the cheese, what happened in Melbourne? Okay, Canterbury Banks Town, and you know, I, I don't want to pile on a Kyle Flanagan. I, I actually hope the kid comes comes good. Imagine, and he, he probably is a bit faster than a zombie in night. This of the was this day. was the first game his dad was able to come and sit and watch. Oh God, like that. Like, I don't know if you boys had the opportunity to watch the game, but I did. And in one word, dreadful. I was I was there, and I'd driven back from Wagga that. Well, I got up at five a.m. to drive back from Wagga to go to Kogara to to Shark Park to set up because the Dragons were playing their game at Shark Park this week, and um. Set the gear up. So I was pretty much a zombie myself. I would have been looked good in the Tigers' defensive line. That's right. <laughs> and I was sitting there going, can you give me something to keep me awake, rugby league? Can you make the game? No, they couldn't. It was, dr- it was. I actually think it's the lowest quality game I've seen. By the way, Madge would probably give you a run right now. He's making really bizarre decisions. Adam Dewey, who's been our best player by several kilometres, has been moved into the centres out of his customary 5'8 position. So you might have got a run. The the, the sort of the nadir for Flanagan came early. There was a, a six again in favour of Canterbury Office and George Illawarra turnover in front of the sticks. And on, on tackle one, he did a crossfield bomb that went out. It yep. really was hard to watch. But yep. Canterbury is in a rebuild phase, Dennis. Yes. And so they decided that the best way to rebuild, first of all, is to hire Trent Barrett as a coach who did so well at Manly with the furniture and the, yep. the Bunnings and the whole bit. And they've decided that the, the, the route to a successful rugby league premiership is not a spine and it's not a dominant forward pack. It's speedy three quarters. Right. Yeah, so they've signed, they've signed Nick Chotrich. Chotrich, it's already yep. there. Already there. You've got Matt Burton desperately trying not to be there next year, given how well he's going for the Penny Panthers right now. Yeah. Uh, well, he does want to play 5-8. Does he? Yeah. Well, he's getting close to the spine, I guess. Yeah. You've got Josh Adokar, the Fox, for family reasons, coming back to Sydney, and the Tigers and are going and that's that happening. well. That's happening. The Tigers are going that well. He signed a deal with Canterbury. <laughs> so it's occurred to the Fox who actually comes out of a winning culture and he's gone Canterbury Bankstown board and Trent Barrett we actually need some forwards right, right. 
Now, if you're following the narrative down at the Melbourne Storms where former West Tiger Harry Grant is playing the house down, this has moved the best New Zealand... <laughs> former West Tiger, yes, nice. Has yeah, moved slip that in. The best player in New Zealand rugby league who was prevented from a starting position uh, uh, by um, Cameron Smith and his, you know, and his club team, which yep. is Brandon Hectic Cheese Smith. He's been told your future in our club and we want you here is not in the number nine, but as a lock forward. And Brandon, to his credit, says, I don't want to be a lock forward. I want to be a hooker. I want to be the man. I want to be part of the spine. So Addo Carr, who's actually talking some sense in, it turns out in a Richmond cafe somewhere. Richmond. Richmond cafe. T-Baz and Addo Carr are having a coffee and Brandon Smith bumps into them. Just happened to be walking past Richmond. I don't do accents. Can you do? On the sniff. Can you do oh, a Brandon Smith I, accent? I, I, I haven't studied his accent. I can do a random New Zealand sure. accent, but I, I, I can't imagine. What, what, what would he have said? <laughs> G'day, Brew. Hey, Brew. <laughs> he's signed to the Dogs Brew. You're coaching the Dogs Brew. Now, I'd need some time to so, work on so that. So, T-Baz and Fox have talked up the Dogs Deluxe, and according to Smith, yeah, he said they offered me a $4 million three-year deal, which I signed <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> on the back of a coaster? That's right. Uh, but... Uh, the official word is that he has asked for a release. So the Bulldogs rebuild is on an earnest. But in analysing Thursday night's game, and I need to apologise to everybody. I forensically, you know, comb the rugby league media. But I've been opting for some time now not to read the Joey Johns preview of the Thursday night football game. And that's been to my detriment <laughs> because he's actually seeding it with gold. I mean, we learned last you know, week that he saw Adam Reynolds not as a Ninja Turtle but as a, a renaissance, as a, as a renaissance artist, artist, as yeah. in Michelangelo. Painting the roof of the Sistine Chapel. But he's been opining on the combination of Harry Grant and Brandon Smith and how well it's going down at the Storms. I described him this morning in the paper as Batman and Robin. I think he enjoyed being Robin. I think he'd dress up well as Robin Brandon Smith. Imagine getting around Melbourne in those... Those cafes and those alleyways. Here we go again. I, I, I see him more as... I'll leave you to it. ...an evil character, not so much the heroes. He's more the villain. The Riddler. He could be the Riddler, he could be the Joker, he could be the Penguin. I don't think he's one of the good guys. Graham Bradley. Oh, no, he couldn't be Graham Bradley. There is only one Penguin. And there only ever will be one. Graham Bradley's Bradley. He played all his junior football in the St. George Illawarra district. I actually knew him. My he grew uh, up on your street. Former girlfriend of mine had a relationship with one of his teammates, and so got to meet uh, Brattles at Cogra Oval, and then of course he went on to grand final success eventually for the Penrith Panthers in nineteen ninety one against who was the it Penguin again? playing for the Pan- Pan- Penny Panthers? Yeah, the Penguin for the Panthers. I can't remember. Let's just move on. Um, so they're talking about them dressing up as, as Robin, going through the streets of Melbourne. That he sees that as something he could do. It's a tough analogy, though, isn't it? Because you know, generally there's a sort of a physical disparity between Batman and Robin. Mm. You know, Batman somewhat taller because Robin is adolescent, and I think Brandon Cheese. He's got a boyish face. He's got the sort of the Burt Ward style <laughs> haircut. Yeah, um, the physique. Why that then translates to him lurking around cafes and alleyways in Melbourne in a mask and red underpants which, and so, green stockings, yeah, which seems to be something you can only talk about if you've done it yourself. Right? And you think Gus has done that? No, Joey. Joey has done I, I, I think every chance. But I see, I don't see, I mean, I've, I've seen lots He of, would have been Robin because the, the, Matty was the older brother. So correct. Matty would have dressed up as when they Batman. Were kids, right? For sure. Yeah. And Matty might have been slightly taller when they were younger. But I just don't see Harry Grant in the um, Adam West, uh, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, uh, Christian Bale, uh, Ben Affleck. Whoever the new I've Batman heard him is, talk. His, his voice isn't quite down rough enough. No, it's not down there. No, because with with that, like you've got Batman and Robin as Harry Grant and Brandon Cheese, their reserve fullback. Oh yes, um, Nico Hines. Nico, no, I have mentioned before that I, f- I feel like there's a lot of players in the in the fringe of the storm who look like they'd make a good death metal band. Um, Darren Schoenig has, oh, yeah, the, has mullet. the mullet and the chin. He'd be the bass player of the band. But Nico Hines, I, just last week I was watching the um, Bee Gees documentary, How Do You Mend a Broken Heart? Amazing story. And, and I 
I kind of knew it all because it's not it's not like it's not public domain that they were a big band. But right. from back in the sixties and some of the songs they had in the sixties, like oh oh that was them, oh that was them, oh that was them, oh that was them, and there they are with the Beatles, and they're like wow, and then went through and then there's the heartwarming story of three young Australian boys that were born in Concord. Is that right? Born in Concord in in, in Western Supermare, I think the Concord. Oh no, sorry, that was actually DC. They were all born in Australia, right? They're they're our boys. Yeah, no, they were also uh, ten pound poms. Oh, they okay. were also immigrants, okay. post-war immigrants. But um, the Vander Bee Gees- and Young, the Easy Beats, Harry Vander, good Leichhardt boy, correct? Uh, yeah, no, he was he was he was Dutch. He came over here, uh-huh. and, and uh, although Harry and George. Fame, well, obviously they've made themselves famous over many years, but they were in Sultans of Swing. Sultans of Swing by Dire Straits. It was actually about seeing Harry and George playing in a band in London. How about that? And they, and there's kind of this this urban myth about it. So whether it actually happened or not, but that was what the song was about. This was Harry and George just playing in a covers band in a pub, and people walking in, walking out, whatever. And there's Harry. He's playing his Harry's mind. He doesn't make the scene. He's got a daytime job. He's doing all right. Yeah, he's doing all right. He's a songwriter. Anyway, that digressing and digressing and digressing. Thinking about the storm and Nico Hines and how much Nico Hines looks like Andy Gibb. The younger Gibb brother. I was watching Andy Gibb on stage with them going, it's Nico Hines. Except Nico, he just needs a bit of work on the teeth. Maybe get the soft palate raised up so he can get that get that sound. I don't know if Nico's quite got that so you'd yet. So you go into the... The dental technician, the Channel Nine dentist, and say, "Give me a Mercury, like a Freddie Mercury or something." Give, oh no, you just go, "Give me Andy Gibb." Give me an Andy. And the, in fact, he'd walk in and go, "You need the Andy Gibb," and he's very much. He's not just looking like Andy Gibb. He is the Andy Gibb of the team because you've got the big three. Now, traditionally, the big three in Melbourne were Cameron Smith, Billy Slater. Now, yes. those two have the statues yeah. outside. Oh wow. Yeah, they've got the statues outside Melbourne Rectangular Stadium. And then, of course, you've got Cooper Cronk, who didn't get a statue because he left. Well, he's a replicant. Didn't fit. Robots. Didn't fit. But there's your big three, the big three big guns. And then G.I., yes. in their day, he was the Barry Gibb that didn't quite make it. Good looking, he, he got speedster, out. Good flyer. But now, the big three, the big guns. Now, can I just ask, big guns, if we made that an initialism, what does it become? Bee Gees. Bee Gees. There you go. The Bee Gees now, not Baz, Morris and Robin, but uh, Munster, Mm. Pappenhausen and Harry. Mm. Those are your BGs. Those are the three big ones. And you've got poor old Nico Hines. He's just there. You know, he's not quite on stage with them. He's the little brother and he might have to go as well. Well, the, the worry for Nico is he, he might be going in the opposite direction to Xavier Coates, who is definitely coming to the Storms. There's word that Nico might go to the Broncos. And we all know, <laughs> we all know what happened to Andy Gibb. He died before his time. Yeah, let's hope Nico doesn't have the, the cocaine appeal, addiction. You need to appeal to the kids. Like, again, this is the, the guys in the bunker, they're just mired in the wrong era of video games. They're no longer the BGs, they're the BFGs. <laughs> Very good. Now, I just just another little revelation before we go to the break that came out of that game, Dennis, was we love... This is the Storms and Souths. Storms and Souths. Uh, apologies to Redfern. This is where Pat, Redfern and Pat's 50, team lost. 50 yeah. plot. And that game was in the balance for about 90 seconds, I think. Uh, we... I'm I'm savoring every word of the great Ray Rabbits, Warren, because retirement can't be far away. I know my hmm. retirement's imminent on this show. And I've been bumped from being the host. So uh, we, we just take what Wait, we what can learn. Now? Every little morsel that we can learn about the rich life that has been that of Ray Rabbits Warren. Were you around then, Rabbits? Did you see Jack Troy score six for Newtown no, in no. 1950? No. Uh, Gus, I was seven and living in my hometown of Juni and no television from memory. There was no... 56 te- television. There was no TV then? No, you can't see when you're listening on the radio. Did you read it in the paper? I couldn't read, Gus. I was only going to primary school. So seven years old at primary school and he can't read it. It puts into question the New South Wales school, public school board because I would have thought primary schools were learning to read, is it not? One would have thought. But uh, Ray Rabbits won. We wish him well and I think we should come back after the break, don't you, Dennis? Let's come back after the break. All right. You're done? <laughs> There's not much left of the carcass now. I've been in this town so long and back in the city. I've been taken for a lost and gone and unknown for a long, long time. Fell in love years ago with an innocent girl who from the Spanish and Indian home home of the heroes and Once at night, Katrina's 
vast majority of it, 99% of it, the, the innovation in the game and broadcasting has been brought on by Channel 9. Chris, you're a fan of that uh, Media Watch music. You're just having a little dance. Yeah, well, it kind of makes my Monday night. And uh, <laughs> I know that people are very critical of the show Q&A. I think the people who are critical of the show Q&A are critical because they're not invited to be a guest on it. So I'm still open to be invited. But I do feel somewhat empty that we don't go from media watching to Q&A anymore. On fire up? Or on fire? <laughs> no, just generally. But well, yeah. we kind of do. Like the, the feedback sort of Q&A. Yeah, what? and the media watching music also cheers me up because there's a 50% chance there'll be something having a crack at Alan Jones on it. And then I always enjoy that. Yeah. Only 50? Yeah. <laughs> well, he's retired now, so he's down to... Well, he's just on Sky. He's 50. Well, he's still going. Yeah, he, he, he was on there last night because, you know, if there's nothing that the left-wing media i.e. the abc that you work for dennis love more is when the right wing conspiracy media agrees with you right so of course the uh the australian government's decision to not allow people uh, who are in india to return oh, yes. until may 15 generally would you expect raise the ire of the left side of the room but the right side of the room all the way through to and including andrew bolt and a procession of sky news presenters all outraged by it, Alan Jones front and centre. This is an absolute disgrace. This is this is the worst treatment of any Australian citizen since my boys were penalised seven to one <laughs> against Illawarra down at Wynn Stadium in nineteen ninety one. So what do you got for us, Pat? So we've had uh, over the years we've talked about it on this show a lot. You got the rugby league parlance. Yep. Full credit to the boys. Yes. Oh yeah. Two halves. Yep. We don't see them anymore, do we? Uh, the sort of rugby league gods. Out. Rugby league gods. No, well, the, if you're listening to. Uh, What's the the winger? Uh-oh, uh-oh. He's good for two full credit to the boys every game. Oh, yeah, he's only young. Is it, can he sing? He's, I'm not sure if he's part of the... Um, Is he like boys to men? I wonder. Yeah, I so he, I think, think he might be able to. I think last night uh, uh, Bellyache was interviewed. You should do a bit about that. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's queued up behind the beach sprinter piece we've got coming. Yep. The uh, NRL 360 crew interviewed Bellamy last night and they were sort of talking about, you know, your prospects for winning the premiership this year. And he goes... To be honest, guys, I'm a boring prick. I only think about the next game ahead. He and said that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah one game yeah. at a time. Was that a takedown of Icon? Because then Icon was saying that Icon's got to be the boring prick. Icon agreed that he the, and Bellamy were both boring yeah, pricks. Yeah, and then yeah. they said opposites attract, but Which, that had nothing to do with what they were talking about. <laughs> so what do you got for us? So I'm going to enter, I'm going to propose this new entry into the, to the rugby league parlance. Yeah, I've got sort of mixed feelings. Really proud of the... Um, the way that they uh, physically played the game right to the end. Uh, really disappointed in in some of the the smarter footy moments. Oh yeah, definitely that one's uh, real real disappointing. Um, yeah, certainly just so proud you know to be their coach on a day like today. But um, you know we're going to be disappointed because we feel like that we put ourselves in a position. But um, overall, like I said, I was I was proud of the group. It's disappointing to see our guys put in that much effort and not come away with a win, but. You know, we've got to be proud of their effort. We fought, I was really proud and then really disappointed that we couldn't take some of those opportunities. Oh, I'm disappointed. We had, oh, it was disappointing though. We had a massive crowd and uh, every reason to make them proud of us and um, <clears throat> we embarrassed ourselves in front of them. I love how Ricky is yeah. just disappointed. He had, a, he had a different oh, take on that. Yeah. That, that. That is beautiful. If Jane Austen was writing now, she would change the name of her book to Pride and Disappointment. It would be about, <laughs> it would be about rather than being about the English gentry in the um, Regency period, it would probably be about the Kardashians in Penrith. And, and I tell you what, Pat, you've given us a change from the I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed trope. This is fantastic. Uh, and, this and, is... It's all, and it's also taken away the whole... Um, you know, brave and resilient. I'm yeah. proud but disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is, 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 there, is, is there anything more rugby league? That is so rugby league. Yeah. You're oh. going to lose. You're going to be proud, but you're going to be yeah. disappointed. And that's yeah. really, as we, we say, 15th, 16th of the rugby league community is ultimately heading towards disappointment this and year. And pride. And the important thing for you all to remember out there in your disappointment is to be pride. Wow. Proud. I, I wouldn't say this is a prideful room. This week we've got Tigers, Raiders, and South. Well, no, there's there's still pride, but there is disappointment. Oh yeah, <laughs> tempering the yeah. pride, like a little spice on top. Yeah, and then we'll go going back to the Paul Crawley well as well. Oh, thank goodness. 
Fortunately, this is in print, so it's going to have to be in my voice. But this on the, the Manly Warriors game, this is a quote. The Mayans thought the world was going to end in 2012, and Cody Nicarima thought his world was crashing down with his side leading 2012. <laughs> I, I, I had to go back and look at that play based on Pat contributing that, and Nicarima had a chance out to the right, and you know he had the numbers, and he just fired the pass, and it just sailed over the sideline and then what road did it go to yeah that's right yeah Pitwater. Yeah. And, and oh no they were in hang on no that this was no no they were in, they were playing at brookvale weren't they yeah yeah and and of course you can just imagine crawley not really going back to the mayan text i think he's going back to the 2012 disaster porn movie that you would have seen. <laughs> do you think that he's like just heard about it and or like he's just been waiting for Something nine years? twenty to twelve. He's been sitting on that. <laughs> I always like it when it. like I got like bank cards or something that are two even numbers below fifty because I remember it in rugby league scores. <laughs> Jacob Crawley's been like wait, like saw twenty twelve and he's like oh that's a footy score. He's finally he's he's got it in his little book. So Although Russell I has his book of fumes, Crawls has his book of dates. <laughs> I better change my pin number because it's currently thirty three zero one six, which of course was. The score that we beat North Queensland in the 2015 Grand Final. No, no, it's what 2005. My God, my world is falling apart. <laughs> yeah, I've got to change it. Our mini watch goes for longer than uh, Paul Barry's mini watch. It does. That's, that's out of it. There we go. And what about flaming feedback, Pat? Now I just googled feedback songs as feedback, and then this. This this song came up, yeah. and I played it as a joke. And Chris is actually a, a savant on it. Yeah, so that's off Janet Jackson's Discipline album, which wasn't brilliantly received. <laughs> Were you at there the time. when they recorded it? No, but I tell you where I wasn't. The last time she toured Australia, and the first we bought tickets to her first concert at the Opera House, and she was unwell that night, so we missed out. Her subsequent purchases for subsequent nights got to see Janet, but we didn't as early adopters. It was very annoying. You will find a Kraftwerk sample on that album from. Electric Cafe, which was redone as techno pop. Is that why a, you know it? Because from, from a track called Boing Boom Chuck. Uh, Boing Boom Boom Chuck. Boing, tuck, boing. That one. That one. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I actually commend the album to you. And I'm still a big Janet fan. I did see her live in a previous tour. And at the same point, like Michael used to break down in tears during "She's Out of My Life," and we'd go, "Could I come down there?" And they bring a girl out of the audience. <laughs> when Janet was receiving applause and she just holds the applaud for a beat or two extra so the crowd kind of gets the cue and they amp the volume and she just becomes she's overcome with emotion i swear to god she just stood there crying for five minutes it was the biggest piece of theater i've seen since since seen since our wrestling show last i night. was i was really hoping that you'd say and then the um the roadie came out with a towel and wrapped it around her shoulders and she dropped to the floor and then she stood up and then she threw it away and which came back James Brown which is the great James Brown trope and Stephen Ferris we wish he was here because he has terrific James Brown story but I did see James Brown at the Horton Pavilion and I saw that exact thing happen okay I'm not surprised that you saw James Brown at the Horton but I thought you were about to say that Stephen Ferris is going to be here at some point because that is much more unlikely (laughs) that's that's right Look, I know we're tight for time, Pat, and you want to get to the feedback. Can I quickly tell a James Brown story? i got nowhere to be. <laughs> uh, James Brown sadly passed away. I, I can't, off the top of my head, give you the exact year, but it'll be a good 10 or so years ago that people will look it up. And I think he died on Boxing Day. And me and some friends went to the dance event down on Bondi Beach called Shore Thing. And Chemical Brothers headlined that year, I think, from memory. And the final DJ was Bob Sinclair, the French DJ, right? And it gets to the end of the uh, set and Bob Sinclair gets on the mic and he goes, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, very, very sad thing happened. I'm sorry, I'm doing French accent. I should already apologize for that. A very sad thing happened. Uh, We lost the great godfather of soul, James Brown. And I would like to play this as a tribute, right? And I feel good, right? And the crowd goes nuts. And you go, what a perfect way to end the set, playing a great tribute to James Brown. We're all going to leave Bondi Beach on an enormous high. So the song finishes and Bob gets on. And for my final song, my new single. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. What Christmas Day what was? Oh, Christmas Day Christmas of Day, which 2006. 2006. Very close. All right. So we we, we asked during the week, what rules would you change? Yes. Because, uh, you know, last couple of years, it's just crazy. It's, it's insane. Literally. I'm going to jump straight into that because we're, we're a bit pressed of time. So Matt McCartney, I'll uh, I'll pull this bandit off real quick. Yeah, uh, kicks the ass out of the comp. Yes. 
I'm not sure if that's to uh, mobilise the enormous fandom and have 80,000 walking through. Yes, well, when they when they were when Murdoch decided not to appeal and the, the South were allowed back in the comp, where were the 80,000 day on, day off at you know Sydney Football Stadium or even out at Homebush? It's only the pockets of Holmes Court and Crow that saved them. And all credit to them. But South, they didn't comply with the merger criteria. My team did. They should have been kicked out. They should have stayed out. I salute you. Uh, Matthew McCarthy. Thank you, Matthew. Um, I don't understand how they got back in, like when they say it was legal. I don't I have no idea how they got in got in legally. Anyway, moving on. A lot of a lot of talk about loss here. So teams teams losing. I'm I'm guessing that's not Melbourne fans who are like <laughs> let's make this interesting. Jeff Bullos, after every loss of more than 40 points, the Coast must allow unfettered media access to the post-match spray and pre-game address for the next round. They probably should do that anyway. Um, if they can do it in the basketball and the NFL, they can do it in, in rugby league. Yeah, the NFL and basketball might not have quite as many Carmichaels and uh, Darrens yeah. in there. That's the issue. I mean, there was yeah. the well, famous- Carmichael's a lot more... Uh, normalised in Australia than it is. Yeah, I still don't think Rupert's going to be broadcasting it. Well, anyway, speaking of, Robert Southerton, a minimum of two cameras must be on Ricky at all times. I like that rule. Because then we can double check the, the leaked audio. What's happened to the red button? You used to get the red button where you could do an ISO cam on someone. I would Yeah, pay, they stopped that. That was great. Yeah, I would pay a premium on my Foxtel subscription just to if watch I got Ricky. Ricky cam. Yeah, no, so would I. That'd be they should just have Coach Cam anyway. They love that Coach and, Vision. Yeah, and, and, and everybody's just been marvelling about the incredible vision we get of the corner post cam. Yeah. Chair cam. Well, I can, can tell you... Can you just imagine it's in slow motion as the kick comes into view and then the, you see the chair tumbling <laughs> away. That would be outstanding <laughs> we're the, um, we're at, at Wagga, we were in the box next to the Raiders coach's box and um, in the New South Wales Cup game, which the Raiders lost... By, they had a kick after the siren to equalise. the Raiders. The Raiders lost. <laughs> yep. Mounties. No, 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 no. No, the Mounties, are, uh, they're Canterbury. Mounties have gone with Canterbury now. Canterbury. It's so confusing. I just, I just played myself. Yeah, yeah, Raiders are back, baby. You'll be on Media Watch next week yourself. I'll be on Media yeah. Watch. Um, but we could hear the... Uh, we weren't covering that game. <laughs> and the coach next door, they, there was... Uh, a team full of Carmichael's on the field. <laughs> what if you'd listened to the script? And when Ricky was in there, um, was Ricky on the sideline or was he, I think he was up in the box. Know. He was up in the box. Right. And it's cold at <laughs> There was times I was glad that there was no pictures on the wall because they would have come down because there was a lot of thumping. So when the Raiders score a try, <laughs> when the other team score a try, there <laughs> was this very clear distinction between uh, the, the, the celebratory smacking on the wall on the desk and the angry smacking on the wall on the desk. Yeah, a camera there would have been good. Friend of the show, Art, not going to try and pronounce it. 40 points behind, losing teams forward passes are ignored. Has worked in that other rugby for years. <laughs> I don't know if he's talking about English Super League or yeah, um, the North be, American there's, Rugby there's, League. That's the only other rugby. There is no other rugby. Yeah. Uh, Greg, Cross, Greg Cross, friend of the show, had a cracker. Team leading by 40 points must drop off a player every 10 minutes to even up the game. Well... Volandis keeps talking about that it's entertainment baby and unpredictability, i.e. the two-point field goal, the set restarts, dot, dot, dot. Greg has been in this very studio. In that very chair. And has a Craven Mild premiership medal in his possession as a result of the 1977 Manly Ringer Sea Eagles. He has a great idea, and I think this should go straight to Overlord Volandis. I've got a, a one on that is um, based on the grand final last year. So you win the grand final, but the, the final boss is you got to kick off with 11 players and defend one play like no one had to do to win last year's. Yeah, right. And then if if, you, if the other team scores, you restart the game. So you've got to win the game and then you've got to defend with 11 players off the kickoff. To prove it. To I prove need to, it. That's I need, like the final boss. I need to meet to watch myself on memory. In fact, Greg was part of the 78 Manly squad, uh, which they won in the replay against Stephen Ferris just messaged in. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> dragons. It's all there somewhere. Injustice. Friend of the show, Travis Rio. Scoring team kicks off. Which of course happened in the '97 Super League. That's right, and 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 bizarrely, I can't remember a single Super League game. Yeah, I, I can remember a couple. And the interesting thing was that scorer kicks off was definitely Super League, but of course I thought that forty twenty was, but it preceded Super League that rule change. Mm. No, I've, there's been a lot of discussion about that, about that being evening up, particularly with the new um, the rules and the blowouts that if. You, know, you score a try, then you have to defend it. It almost goes back to your boss play thing. It's that just, yeah. you, you have to then defend. And I, this is reactionary. 
Yeah. Landy says rugby league is escapism. I don't accept that. It's far more important than escapism. It's and, life. Yeah, I know, exactly. Why are we here? Not to escape, but to actually own who we are and as to people. live. And to live and to breathe and to be part of a community. And, and, to, to, be, and to be proud and disappointed. And this <laughs> constant reaction is really, really hurting me. What about an independent judge at every game who, after every break and play, decides who, sco- who, kick- who kicks off? Sorry. Toss of the coin. That's unpredictable. Toss of the coin? Yeah. yeah. Whoever kicks off, just flip a coin. It's pretty much like it is right now. Well, that's like they do with the AFL, do the bounce, apparently. Um, Jacob McRae says, I'm, I'm going to need some help with this as well, the Trotsky rule. Forwards, halves, and backs are all banned from making captain's challenge. <laughs> I don't know if that's getting rid of captain's challenges altogether or... <laughs> Yeah, I um, it is. I think it's, a, yeah, it's I think, an animal farm reference. I think that's what he's saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> They're more, more, more red than I am. But they, uh, they got to stop the props from challenging the strip. Who knew that there was such a through line about various forms of communism and rugby league? But we've heard it here tonight, haven't we? There's so many through lines with communism, which, which, which is funny because generally it's the working man's game and the working man has drifted to the right. Yeah. And, wouldn't, and rugby league was born on making money. Is that... Capitalism, or is that the workers? Well, no, it wasn't, it wasn't born on making money. It was born on giving fair pay. So to you're saying the it's the proletarian, the proletarians, proletarians. That's uh, an act, not a act of capitalism. And very much. And if we think about Volandis right now, he's certainly a benevolent dictator. But they all start out benevolent. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm I'm very conscious of that. I've got to go back to the physio, which made me late. In the, All right, the, so you want me to wind up? If, if, do you if have I, any other I'm key gonna... pieces of feedback, Pat? Because I have, one pe- I have one piece of flaming feedback that came through to me from Jeffrey Gabriel, Jeffrey heavily Gabriel. involved in Newtown Jets, uh, a tremendous man, tremendous family. And Jeffrey said, you blokes have been on fire this year. Redfern, Pat's media, watch a particular highlight. Ferris and Hook, Brendan Cow's impressionation of Buzz. Got any gossip? <laughs> Dennis being Dennis, go well, gents. Thanks so much, Jeffrey. I noticed you didn't mention me. Didn't mention you. Did you mention me? Yeah, Dennis being Dennis. Oh, thanks, Jeff. My name is Jeff. I was just going to finish up with one story. I was at the pub in, in uh, Wagga, and this is probably a story that no one's going to appreciate, but I was looked up at the screen. The trots are on, and the horse is coming seconds. My name is Jeff. It's a beautiful name for a trotting horse. But we're all fired up. You've been listening to Fire Up. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, Redford Thank Pat. You, we'll be back next week. All of us winners. I look at the, uh, the back three today. Um, they say in life you've got to have a great, great back three. 